Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys, welcome back to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. It's a Bundesliga-only episode this week with the FA Cup starting for all Premier League teams. And with me, as always, is the, well, I suppose this week, the, the long-awaited win to my Schalke, Lewis. Love a little bit of foreshadowing there. And Billy and I are both so unbelievably gassed. Like, this is the most gassed I think we're both going to get about a team that is not, you know, our favorite team. So, behold that. But, as Billy said, we will be taking a look at how Schalke finally, finally made the three points happen. Then we will go to the two top matches of the Bundesliga match day, really. And we'll have a look at how Bayern just can't seem to plug the holes in their defense. And Dortmund shut Julian Nagelsmann up. And without further ado... Let's get into Schalke's surprise win. I mean, oh, yes, it happened. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been so long. Oh, Jesus. I wasn't paying attention, and my brother told me, oh, they're 1-0 up. Okay, well, they were 1-0 up the other week, so they're probably... Yeah. And then I kept checking through Twitter. It's like, it's 2-0. Hmm. That, that young American guy, he's got two now. I was just about to post something on our socials. It's like... Oh, Matthew Hopp, he's got two goals for Schalke. And I, I ref- I've posted it on Instagram, refreshed Twitter. And I was like, nope, he's got a hat trick. I best go back and change that. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was one of the best things to watch. It, save for the fact that that Hoffenheim team are not even a shadow of the team that beat Bayern 4-1 on the second match day of the Bundesliga. But, you know, Ralf Fehrmann, this guy, what he's gone through in his career... You know, he got demoted by Domenico Tedesco, first from the captaincy, then from the number one starting position. He gets loaned out to Norwich City. That doesn't even last half a year. And then he gets reloaned to some Norwegian team and makes this unreal return from exile at the beginning of the season, only to get smacked 8-0, demoted again from the number one position, up until... Christian Gross takes over at Schalke and he's number one again. And now he's making the saves to keep Schalke in it. Not just once, but multiple times in that match yesterday. It's a weird one because he's clearly a very good goalkeeper. That's not up for debate. I don't know what happened at Norwich last season. Daniel Farker just didn't seem to want to play him over Tim Krull, who again is a very good goalkeeper anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then to be loaned out to some, no disrespect, but some nowhere team, it's just a complete and utter, you probably think your career was over. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was going down the path of, you know, Loris Carlos. Like, it's just the point of no return back to the 
to the point where you once were or to the height you once were at? Because I, I remember when I first started watching German football and it was him and Neuer were the top two, maybe Roman Weidenfeller at Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. He was, I was, I'm not sure if I'd go as far to put him top two, but he was definitely, he was definitely in one of the higher classes and he was definitely in the top five goalkeepers in the Bundesliga at one point in his career. And I'd probably say there's around the time, you know, the 15, 16 season where Schalke were challenging for the Bundesliga top spots. And, you know, they made second place even. It was, it was just very, very good goalkeeping to watch, really. And I think he was always a tad underrated. If he had maybe played at a team that wasn't Schalke, he might have been able to get to that uh, point where he's a regular for the German national team like Kevin Trapp is now. But, you know, that's also one of the things that I think is commendable about Ralf Fehrmann is he is Schalke through and through. That is his club. He is, that is where he came up through the youth ranks. He is there to stay and he wants, I definitely would put my money on him finishing his career at Schalke. Yeah, you don't make 182 appearances for a team over eight years without being a good goalkeeper. Oh yeah, definitely. And yesterday he showed why previous managers have been wrong to strip him of the captaincy, ship him out on loan, just drop him in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But speaking of the captaincy, Zayad Kolasinac proved to be a mental boost on steroids for that team. He was, he was literally a Sergio Ramos. Like, he had, he brought that type of mentality to the team. It was tackle after tackle. I mean, I mean, you heard it, especially the great part, the only good thing about not hearing or not having fans in the stadium is you hear exactly what goes on on that pitch. And I mean, you heard every tackle this guy made one crunch after another, and he still won the ball fairly, but I think no one's going to want to go up against Ziad Kolasinac in a tackle. And it's such a difference in comparison to the player he was at Arsenal. Yeah, I think I was a bit skeptical when we spoke about this before. Yeah, yeah. And you said, you were like, oh, well, you know, Schalke through and through, he knows what it's like to play well for that team and for that team to be doing well. It's like, yeah, but one, Kalasanac, could it really make any difference? Because they were just shipping goals consistently. But I think it's, it's, it's a bold move to give a new player the captaincy straight away. But like we said a couple of weeks ago, there's no leaders in that team. There were no leaders in that team. Yeah, yeah. And he was an absolute unit, like a rock at the back. First clean sheet in 26 matches. You know, whether they can build build momentum on this, because there's very little point in winning 4-0 one week and then getting battered 6-0 the next. But Obviously. He was influential to a point, but I don't think we can ignore the most, in, well, one of the most influential players are the two, two further forward, Matthew Hopp. 19-year-old American striker. Patrick he wasn't Hill. even on my, yeah, he wasn't even on my radar up until the match against Hertha Berlin where it was said, you know, we're, they, they're trying something new out with uh, Matthew Hopp and he's, 
let's see how he does basically was what the commentator said and against Berlin obviously the poor guy didn't get the service or the uh, balls through that he needed but you know talk about one of the unexpected players of the season it's it's ridiculous and this season just gets weirder and weirder you know oh yeah born in 2001 which makes me feel decrepit and ancient (laughs) you know he's come from he spent some time at Barcelona before joining Schalke he's made five appearances and scored a hat-trick yesterday and I think that's that's probably Schalke's striking partner for boots probably sorted for the season if he keeps us up yeah we always, I think we always have to be careful with the fact of, you know, it's a 19-year-old striker. He's got a hat trick now. We gotta, gotta calm down a little bit. Obviously, the euphoria of getting Schalke back to from from you know the depths of the abyss, more or less, uh, is is definitely great. But we have to always see young players if they get hyped up too much, seen it time and time again, implode and it just goes downhill very quickly. But I hope for Hops and for Schalke's sake that he keeps these performances up. Yeah, another player. You, I think you told me he missed most of all of December or something was Harrit. This is the funny part. He had been suspended from or by, by Schalke's management because of a poor attitude. And... This was along with the suspension of Nabil Bentaleb when things really started to go downhill for Schalke around November, December. And he was suspended for a solid two weeks. And, you know, to come back from suspension to then provide a performance like that. I mean, you got a hat-trick of assists yesterday for Hop. It was Harit to Hop for all three the three goals. And then he goes and bags one himself. Yeah, literally. It was one of those performances for a, a midfielder. They don't come around very often where everything goes right. Oh, yeah. We talk about Hop not having the delivery and the service against Frankfurt. I mean, everything that Harriet played to him, he finished. And those two chips were just... Whew, the service against good. Berlin... Oh yeah, the service against Berlin. You mean? The yeah, last sorry. Match. They've got. Uh, they've got Frankfurt. Yeah, Frankfurt next, next weekend. Oh, can we can we just take a tiny minute to talk about that? Because Frankfurt is a. They they've been very on and off, and have been more on. But what would you say is going to be the outcome there? Because these are both now two teams who you could say, from recent matches, are relatively on form. Uh, I'd still probably back Frankfurt. Fair enough. Mainly because Andre Silva seems to be in that purple patch for a striker. Granted, he got two oh, penalties yeah. yesterday, but... Still got to score him. Exactly. He's in the scoring form of his career. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we've gushed a lot about Schalke. Shall we move on? to their rivals, Borussia Dortmund. And they were in a very, very high-stakes match yesterday because before the match, 
Dortmund were on fifth or fourth, sorry, but they were only on 25 points and they were in danger of losing basically the, the striking distance on the top three places. And Leipzig, meanwhile, had everything to play for because due to Bayern slipping up, they could have moved ahead into first place. So this was a very, very high-stakes match to begin with. But if I'm being honest, first half did not say high-stakes whatsoever, did it? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch the first half. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. Mm-hmm. Because it, it had the look of one of those games that we've seen a couple times this season like the Manchester derby or United against Chelsea. Massive hype. It's going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, It's just a dreary, sleepy nil-nil. I think Leipzig were the more active team going forward, but Angelino's crosses were... I mean, he's, he's known for extremely precise good crosses with that left foot of his, but still. And it was so, so ineffectual really i mean nothing really happened yeah it's dangerous anyway no it's difficult when like you should pull was on but the crosses were too high or too long and it just couldn't hit that that sweet spot for crosses that like you normally can and then in the second half it just completely erupted yeah, I think I did not record a single Leipzig chance on Dortmund's goal until the 66th minute. And up until then, it was just Dortmund this, Dortmund that. Dortmund were pummeling that Leipzig goal with, with opportunities. And it was a Dortmund counterattack that led to their first goal. And you just have to say, Dortmund with Haaland is a very different Dortmund to the Dortmund without him. Because Haaland initiated that counterattack, set up Jaden Sancho, and he initiates it with pure pace and pure power. Shields the ball off so well from defenders. Uh, it's, it's very hard to argue that if Haaland keeps going at the rate he is, he will be the next best number nine in the world. And he will definitely overtake Lewandowski in that regard. Yeah, he's a different beast. And so are Dortmund when he plays. Sancho's goal was nice and that's now two goals in his last two games for him so he's starting to find some form maybe his head's cleared after what happened in the summer but I want to talk Haaland's first goal because he started that move and he finished it as well and it was absolutely incredible unreal yeah and you have to say there was no trying to push himself up on the back of the defender. It was no pushing. It was just Haaland using his considerable weight and athleticism to get him onto that or into the position to make that header. And then the powerful header on top of that. He's just a a machine. It's ridiculous. He's now got 25 goals and 25 appearances for Dortmund in the Bundesliga. That's silly stats. For a 20-year-old, definitely. But, you know, people, he's like, oh, he's got all these goals for RB Salzburg. Cool. Can he do it in the, in the, that's now not a question. Yes, he can. <laughs> and yes, he and, will. And, and if he moves to uh, Real Madrid or 
or any team in the Premier League, that there will be no question, oh, but can he do it? Yes, he can and he will. And he will continue to do it for probably another 15 years. So people were like, oh, I saw something on Twitter the other day, like, oh, that, that 07, 09 period of the Premier League, all these great players we don't see anymore. It's like, yeah, but now yeah, yeah. we're getting this group of players come through. This is yeah. This yeah. is the striker I will tell grandkids. You know, people will tell stories about. Oh, well, I was there when Haaland moved to Dortmund. I followed that when he moved. I was there. You know, I I knew when he scored nine goals for Norway's under 18s or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely hard to argue with that point because you know if if we were gushing about Lewandowski. I mean, yes, Haaland still has a little ways to go until he reaches Lewandowski level, but I think we're not going to be waiting five years for that level to happen. I think we're going to be waiting more like two. Yeah. and because yeah, It's, it's going to be difficult for Dortmund to keep him if they can't build a team that can challenge more than they are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, because right now Haaland is their lifeline. And even if Dortmund were to change their aspirations and say, you know, we're definitely intent, like we're trying to keep Sancho, we're trying to keep Haaland, we're trying to keep this group of players together so we can build on them and hopefully challenge for the title and not challenge, just challenge. And then after, you know, two thirds of the Bundesliga say, season say, well, we gave it our best shot, but right now there's no point in us trying to challenge anymore because we're done. You know, if they want to actually get to that point where they're going to win a title, they have to keep that player that player group together. And if that player group still can't produce without Haaland or basically, you know, show that they are still capable of staying up there, even if Haaland has a bad game, then I think Haaland will leave because he's not going to stay at a club where he knows that he is basically the make or break for the club. I don't think. Yeah, I think also you've got to remember who his agent is. Ah, oh, I keep forgetting. He's got the, yeah. he's got the, oh. His agent is Mino grabber. Who will be constantly like the demon on his shoulder in his ear. <sighs> yeah, but if, if you push a move to Real Madrid or if you push a move to, to City or Liverpool, United, you could win trophies. And it's like, that starts to play with a young player. I mean, I hope his family keep him on the ground or something. You know, someone keeps him on the ground because... I think his, his dad's done a pretty good job already. Oh, yeah. Of not letting people dig claws in and rip him three or four different ways. So you've got agent going one way, club going another. You know, marketing reps going one way. Yeah, yeah. I think... Yeah. And himself going the fourth. Yeah, I think... <laughs> He's so good. Just let him do what he, what he, what he can do. Yeah, I think that was a good thing. You know, Lewandowski never had a really, you know, the the money grabbing type of an agent, and he stayed at Dortmund for a relatively long time because you could you could have easily argued that you know after that season, the 2012-2013 season that he had with Dortmund, or you know he picks apart Real Madrid single handedly and score puts four past arguably one of the best Madrid teams of that, uh, of those, of those years of the start of the 2010s. 
I know you could have said, yeah, he's definitely leaving Dortmund next year, but he stays at Dortmund until the end of his contract, matures even more, and then he makes the ne- he takes that next step. Yeah, I think there's only so long as a player of that level you can not win things, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, sure, no. Surely the ultimate aim of playing for a top team is to win things. So if, if Lewandowski stayed at Dortmund and doesn't win Bundesliga upon Bundesliga, he doesn't win a Champions League, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. He, he scored a few goals, but he didn't really do much else. Yeah, you can almost, uh, you know, have a look at what Luka Jovic did. You know, right now we remember him as, wow, he scored a ton of goals in that one great season he had for Frankfurt, and then he made the move too early, and now he's basically irrelevant. Yeah, I think you've got to stay, stay grounded and stay in, in a place two or three years maybe. Two or three years at Dortmund and then... Take that next step. And then maybe take the, the next level up if the team doesn't evolve. I mean, I, I'll tell you now, Haaland, with his physicality, he would bully so many Premier League centre-backs. I'd so love it. many. I really would. I mean, he would, he would show, you know... Bundesliga, Bundesliga or not, there's not much of a difference. There is just the fact that Haaland's an absolute beast. And I, I think I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again now. I want to see Dortmund come up against Liverpool in some form or fashion so I can see the battle between Haaland and Van Dijk because whew, I know it won't happen this season due to Van Dijk's injury, but at some point in the next year or two next season's Champions great. League group stage oh make uh, it happen unreal exactly UEFA we know you rigged this stuff anyway <laughs> so one more thing before we move on Nagelsmann had such a massive mouth in the press conference before this match I mean he said in his mind they had already won and they were definitely going to win, you know, oh, we're going to definitely beat Dortmund. We've, we've got this, you know, we know what's at stake. And he had such, you know, I'll give him all the credit for actually having the balls to say that in a press conference, which I've so often said many Bundesliga teams don't have these, like this, the guts to do so. But if you're going to go for that type of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, trash talk in front of a game, in, in the build-up to a game, at least back it up on the field a little bit. I mean, Leipzig were so unbelievably harmless with the exception of that one post-hit that uh, Danny Olmo had. And, you know, let's be real, the Sirlot goal was just a pure consolation thing when we already knew the game was over. So it doesn't really, I wouldn't really count that. I mean, the Leipzig were... It looks like a dog who just had its teeth taken out. Yeah, it was weird because we associate Leipzig with this quick attacking football. And what Julian Nagelsmann said, it's very ballsy. And it made him this. Yeah. It made him look a bit of a of a clown. Because now of how bad they play. Just put a smile on my face. <laughs> To, to quote Thanos. <laughs> it, I, I don't understand how they can be that dull. Yeah. 
with the with the recent form, yeah. Like when you've got a, when you've got to rely on a a Crystal Palace reject. <laughs> yeah, you scored. You'll keep saying it. Turkey, but it was Turkey. Uh, uh. It's just it was underwhelming, and yeah, yeah. Maybe in the future, I don't expect him to change the way he approaches games, but maybe there'll be less. Oh well. In my mind, we've already won this game. I'm already preparing for the next one. Well, I think we'll start to see what more managers do these days. Oh, well, they are a very good team and we've got to be careful. You just sort of cover your own back so you don't look like an idiot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I I still hope, like with all this being said, I still hope that Nagasman still has the same kind of ballsy approach to matches, but you know, tune it down maybe just a tad. Yeah, like, we need the personality. Like, I, yeah. yeah. Same with uh, with vintage Mourinho. Oh, yeah. So, leaving a team that can't challenge for titles to a team that wins them all the time. Bayern. Ooh. Where do we start on this one? It, Gladbach seemed to be Bayern's kryptonite. I'm all for it. The the only team to beat Bayern under Hansi Flick's management twice. Only team. Marco Rosa, managerial genius. I mean, it's hard to argue. Tactically, you know, it's... Tactically, they definitely set Bayern up. Like there is no, there's no doubt about it. Because Rosa said himself, Bayern defend with a high line without any defensive safeguarding in the center of the pitch. So basically, what he's saying there is that even if a center back goes up for an aerial duel, and he misses, so say Zula goes up for an aerial duel and he misses the ball, or he loses the aerial duel. There is no backup for him in the center of the pitch, which leaves the center wide open, and David Alaba has you know multiple guys running at him, and he's screwed. And it is something that I think. Flick has struggled to get under control because if you look at the table right now and you see the goals conceded by Bayern, I mean, 24 in 15 matches. The last time they conceded this many goals in that many matches was the season of 1981-82. And, you know, they've scored, they've conceded more goals, obviously, than Leipzig, Leverkusen, Dortmund. Um, but they've conceded more goals than Union Berlin, than VfL Wolfsburg, the same amount of goals as Gladbach and Freiburg, more goals than Frankfurt, more goals than Augsburg, more goals than Stuttgart, the same amount of goals as Berlin and Bremen, and I'm already at place 13 in the table. The only teams who have scored more, who have conceded more than Bayern at this point in the season are Hoffenheim, Köln, 14-15th in the league, Schalke and Mainz. I don't, I don't really know what to say to it because on paper you shouldn't be conceding those goals. So David Alaba, oh hell no, he's a very good centre back. Yeah, if you're Bayern, you should not. If you're Bayern, you should be, you should be going clean sheet after clean sheet. And I mean, Neuer is in the form of his life. If it weren't for Neuer, Bayern would probably have conceded more than thirty goals at this point. Oh god, yeah. Some of the saves he's made have been absolutely ridiculous. Mm. And 
I've said it to you a couple of times. I, I, I started watching the game. I, I switched it on and Lewandowski had a penalty. I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll watch it until half, half time. And then Goretzka scores a ridiculous goal. And that oh, was yeah. a pile driver. And I just turned it off because it's like, oh, I'm just not going to sit here and watch them route another one. To me, it's not enjoyable. It's just I didn't like watching Liverpool when they used to like batter teams like 6-0. It's like, it's just not fun. But I've been saying for a couple of weeks, like, can you just lose one? Just lose, well, just one. You can win all the rest of the games this season. I'll just just lose one. <laughs> but I, I didn't, once you went 2-0 up, I really didn't expect Jonas Hoffman to score twice in any it game. It was a copy. It was, the both goals were literal copies of each other. Last year, wins the ball in midfield, sticks it right between the center backs through to Jonas Hoffmann, and Hoffmann slots it past Neuer. You have to give credit to Hoffmann. He has stayed cool in front of the best keeper, maybe of all time, and he doesn't let Neuer's presence screw with his brain. I mean, Neuer's presence has messed up Erling Haaland in front of goal, and that man has ice running through his veins. This is true. We've seen what his presence can do to Danny Welbeck when he's through on goal. <laughs> God, it was the worst lob I think I've ever seen attempted in. It was barely football. a chip. He just sort of passed it back to him. It was <laughs> really, <laughs> but it was. You, know, you said it was a carbon copy, and that is what Marco Rosa has done. He's, that's clearly not an accident that that's happened yeah. twice. To top it off, Florian Neuhaus scored, who give it a couple years when Thomas Muller retires, guarantee Bayern will go in for him. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's a... We'll ignore also the fact that Niklas Zuda literally gifted the ball to Hofmann, who then just passes it to Neuhaus. And Neuhaus, I mean, there's no stopping that. He's, he's shown that he can score goals like that for Germany already. And, I mean, he just nailed that top bins. What, what else are you going to do about it? Beautiful. It really was. Like I say, he's done it for Germany. He's now doing it for his club. Give it a couple years and you'll buy him. <laughs> like you do with everyone else. Uh, but I want to ask you, like, why do you think... You're so bad at the back, though. Why do you think Bayern are so bad at the back? Because stats like that will not retain you the Champions League. Oh, definitely not. I mean, defending the Champions League, it's all well and good, you know, pulling these comebacks one week after another out of the bag. But at some point, that starts costing a lot of energy. Because you're running after, you know, you're you're running behind from, you know, sometimes the tenth minute on, or even the fourth minute when we look at Mainz, and that we already have a crazy schedule for all teams, but you know, Bayern specifically, Bayern and PSG are probably the teams that are most susceptible to fatigue, and fatigued performances because they had two weeks break in the summer and then they were right back in it and 
if you already are on the shortest, you know, break ever, and you already have a jam-packed schedule, I mean, Bayern also have to add in the club uh, World Cup now in February, which is why they're going to be playing on Fridays and Mondays now for the next few match days. And it is, it, it's going to cut, like, these matches that they've basically had since the last clean sheet against Frankfurt on, and hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, the 24th of October. And it, Neuer's, Neuer's been chasing the record of Oliver Kahn for the most clean sheets in the Bundesliga since October, and he's literally one match away. He's on 195, and Oliver Kahn is 196, and that's the record. And he's been chasing this record since the 24th of October, and every time it doesn't work. It's, it's almost comical. Yeah, it's almost comical. I mean, he's closer now to having the record for the most Bundesliga goals conceded by a Bayern goalkeeper than he is for the most clean sheets, which is depressing for him because he's in the best form of his career probably. But it's, it's long story short, this comeback stuff is only going to happen against teams who in the Bundesliga, whether it be in the Bundesliga or the Premier League, you're only going to get those comebacks done against teams, you know, mid-table clubs, maybe challenging for Europa League. But you try that stuff in the Champions League, those miracles like PSG and Barca or Liverpool and Barca, those don't happen every single match day. It's not like Bayern are going to have a comeback in the first leg of the round of 16, the second leg of the round of 16, and then again in both legs in the quarterfinals, and then again in both legs of the semifinals. At some point, it's going to kill them. So you were talking about him being one-off Oliver Kahn's record. Something similar for Sheffield United. Uh, they won in the FA Cup this weekend, and it was Chris Wilder's 100th win as Sheffield United boss. And everyone's reply was like, "How long has that been in your? Uh, how long has that been in your draft? Or have, have you had that on standby since September, since the season started? Because this is the first game they've won all season." guarantee Jesus. there'll be a draft tweet in the Bayern media folder somewhere and it'll be record equaled or record broken. Yeah. yeah. It'll be sat there since October the 24th. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. But you asked what I think the problem is. And this is the thing. I can't discern like a specific problem because you know, what was it with his tactics? It's probably the closest that someone's actually come to explaining what the problem is to me. And Rosas sat there with his tactics and he said, you know, Bayern in general just don't have, you know, the backup in the center of the pitch, even with their high line. And it's because of their high line and the missing backup that they are so open. That's probably the closest I could get to explaining it, but it's, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always start at the back line, if you know what I mean. You know, it starts in the midfield, in on the wings. It is, it is a compound team defensive problem. And it's baffling to me why Flick hasn't managed to get it under control yet because he is, you know, this is a manager who won everything there is to win with Bayern and completely turned this team around. I said this, I think it was last week, and I'll say it again, I still don't think Benjamin Pavard is a Bayern-level player because I watched the second half 
and you talk about it's not just a, a centre back issue. It's given so Benjamin Pavard's got the ball on the edge of the box and doesn't cross it. He messes around with it, tries something that he's not capable of, and gives the ball away. And then yeah, it, yeah. another thing, I I was sat, I was screaming at Breland Bolo. Stop giving it away. Stop trying stupid, idiotic stuff in your own half. Like trying to back into players and back heel it or cheeky little flicks. It's like just, just hoof it as long as you can. I don't care if it's the 60th minute or the 96th. I'd have hit him at full time if I was Marco <laughs> Rosa because that is probably the most stressful half an hour he's ever had. It was just constant trying to like back heel it and flick it around players is like oh Brill <laughs> stop <laughs> oh jeez yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that because I he I was even thinking I was like this guy's got some serious balls to start doing this with a one goal lead against the first place team. I mean these are such awesome for Gladbach who were who kind of just dropped off you know, the, the last the last few matches in the lead-up to the Christmas break, you know, including the last Champions League match day. It just kind of went, mm, yeah, that form that we've had the first, you know, three quarters of the first half of the Bundesliga, let's, let's just kind of let that die down a little bit. You know, they, and they did so in the Bundesliga as well. I mean, they needed those three points. They needed them. Those are massive points to secure. And... They're now slowly on their way back to the Europa League places. You know, they're right now in the Europa League qualification spot, but they are one point behind both Wolfsburg and Union Berlin, who drew yesterday and are now both on 25 points. Yeah, I I don't necessarily... I was going to say you could maybe you could put it down to an attitude thing, but there's no... Of course, Mushin Gladbach need the points, but so do Bayern. Like, they've not won the league yet. Oh, no. And, and f- for them to go, oh, well, it's only Gladbach. I think if that is the case, Hansi Flick's probably battered it out of them by now. Oh, yeah. And the good thing is, it's the DFB Pokal second round this midweek, and you've got a lovely game against Holstein Kiel. Hey, don't knock Holstein Kiel. It's uh, it, I don't think it's going to be nearly as easy as everyone thinks it thinks it'll be because these boys. It's not without reason that they are third in the second Bundesliga and they were top of the league for a while, and you know, to be fair to them, they're only one point off first place anyway. So I think to throw away this game as a nothing game, we see like we we definitely saw. Falfe Bochum, who were also in the second league, second Bundesliga last season, we saw them give Bayern a, some serious problems, and you know they managed to barely scrape a one nil win in that round. So I think that's going to be another fight, and it's going to cost a lot of energy. Yeah, it's also good though to have another game so quickly, because if you've got to wait nine days for your next game. Yeah. There's an ele- there's a a possibility to overthink things or to dwell on things and players' confidence can go. And in a couple yeah, weeks yeah. you 
in a couple of weeks, Bayern have Schalke as well. So I look forward to another 8 0. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we're both hoping for Schalke's sakes that that doesn't repeat itself. But I'm pretty sure no one at Schalke right now is expecting more than a point, if that. Yeah, I think you've got to. If you're Schalke, pick your battles. You, yeah, you've got to pick your battles. You got to pick. You look at that for the rest of the January, and you'll go, okay, where are we going to get any points from? It definitely won't be three points. When buying can't, but you never know. But you know they could be massively fired up for it, and buying could be completely tired out. Exactly, stranger things have happened. And just one last thing on buying's comebacks. I think you said you can't do it against Champions League level opponent. I think it's teams that aren't normally ahead. Teams that when Bayern Munich come to town it's like oh well we'll just damage limitation they go one or two goals ahead it's like oh my god we're winning against Bayern Munich and sort of like the head sort of goes and panic sets in because they don't know how to see out a game against a constant barrage of attacks crosses shots it's normally the other way around yeah yeah it's a fair point I think you know, given last year in the Champions League and last season, a lot of the teams that Bayern faced sort of had a similar problem. And, you know, say Bayern, they drawn Chelsea in the run of 16. And Chelsea in their current form, they, they'll, they'd probably get into that position where they, you know, they score a couple goals and they might also be in that same mindset where, wait, we didn't expect to go up 2-0 against Bayern. Um, what, 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 what do we do here, Frank? Frank will probably be like, well, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's, and, like, uh, it's like that picture of a cow that's half over a, half, half over a metal gate. It's like it has no idea how it got there and what it's, it's, it's going to do now. It's got no idea yeah. what it's doing or how it got there. Like a dog that's caught its own tail. Yeah, you wouldn't know what to do with it if you were in that situation. And then when you do get into that situation, it's like, okay, what now? <laughs> Boys, any any blueprints on this situation? Nope. Well, <laughs> gonna I, wing it. <laughs> you'd probably say that was just an anomaly in buying season. But it's the same pattern that keeps, you know, you keep going behind in games. Bayern didn't go behind this match. That's, That's, it. What That's I mean. the it's worst just, part. It's that, that was it one game, the first game in like seven matches that Bayern haven't gone behind. They yeah, go that, yeah. And they end up losing it 3 2. It's like, oh, come on. You start thinking like the mold's been broken. It's just. Nah, Bayern can only win games if they go behind. That is just how it is this season. It's that mentality of, oh, okay, well, we're going to score three or four goals anyway. We might as well let them have one. I'm, I'm pretty sure Noya is not happy about that, but... I'd, be, well. I'd be fuming. If you're one oh, off yeah. the club record, it would just be, please, is this league... Just one. Is this league clean sheets or clean sheets for Bayern? Uh, clean sheets for Bayern, if I, believe, if I remember correctly. So hopefully he'll get it midweek. Yeah, but I think no, I think it's for buying in the Bundesliga to be fair. Okay. 
Well, it's Freiburg up next for Bayern, and they put five goals in this weekend. Yeah, okay. Against a Köln team who are looking very much, you know, relegation material as well. Like I said, stranger things have happened. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I think on that note, we will finish the episode for this week. Don't forget to subscribe, share, like, comment on all of our socials. We are ever so grateful. And keep your eyes peeled for any breaking news that we deem appropriate. We have got more this week. But thanks very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.